Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up podcast. It's fantastic to see all of your friendly faces today. Um, well, literally, I just hung up uh, from my podcast chat with Lisa Roberts, and I wanted to jump on to the intro, which seems weird that you're doing the intro afterwards, but you need to know what you've talked about before you do the intro. So it kind of makes sense. Uh, I guess it's like, you know, back in uni days or, or whatever. I can't remember the last time I actually wrote an essay, but you'd write the body of the essay and then go back and do the intro. And what I used to do was go back and write the intro and then pretty much, <laughs> pretty much copy and paste for the, what do you call it? The outro, the s- summation, just copy and paste, grab the thesaurus and then just change a few words around. That's, um, yeah, I wasn't a massive fan of English at university, as you can probably tell, but I did enough to get through it. Anyway, um, I loved my chat with Lisa Roberts. She is a how do I describe her? She she's a breath of fresh air. She's fun. She's sarcastic. Uh, loves a tangent. She has many layers. There's so much I actually found out about Lisa that I didn't know uh, prior. And I just I've just she's just given me all this energy. I I feel great. I hope that you get the same kind of feeling after just listening. Uh, to our chat today because she she's a cracker. That's what I called her at the end of the chat. She's an absolute cracker and I really enjoyed catching up with our mate Lisa Roberts. Like we talk about at the end of our episode as well is that Lisa's actually going to start doing some writing on the Wits Up website, uh, mostly to do with running. Um, she's recently retired from professional triathlon and has moved into ultra trail running. So any questions that you might have around running in general or the differences between trail running and training for triathlon, any anything to do with running, fire them our way so that we can handball them to Lisa and see what kind of uh, article gems she can come up with. So super excited to have Lisa Roberts penning some articles on the Wits Up platform. Now, just quickly before we get stuck into this chat with the lovely Lisa Roberts, please, if you haven't already done so, uh, hit subscribe on the podcast platform that you are listening to this episode on. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you too can just hit subscribe there. It's just below. Uh, Leave a rating, leave a comment and a review. We would really appreciate it. And if you do dig the kind of content that we produce across all the platforms here at WitsUp, please consider becoming a WitsUp patron member for as little as five US dollars a month. We'd really appreciate it. Just head to patreon.com slash WitsUp, but I'll leave descriptions below in all the information bits where you can easily find them. All right, let's do it. You ready to go? Ready to go. Okay, I'm just going to do a clap because it helps me align um, the audio and whatnot. Okay. Oh, that was rubbish. Yeah, do it again. <laughs> oh, I'm usually what such a good clapper. <laughs> Wait. Oh, my God. Do you need me to do it for you? Here. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, this is all this actually, do you know what? Me clapping and then you clapping, it was almost like the start of the friends um theme song. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, so con- controversial question. Uh and we'll get to who I'm talking to in just a second. Um, by the way, we've started, this is recording and this will go on the actual podcast. 
Perfect. Friends theme song, four claps or five? Without doing it, don't do it. <sighs> Just think. I think four. Correct. It's, oh, okay, good. So, so no one told you life was gonna be this way. Be this way. No, you it's five. five. No, it's four. four. It's four, but you did five. My oh. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> what does that say about me? I don't know. That. I did well, four. I did five. I'm so yeah. conflicted. So, Brett, do it again. Do it again. Okay. Okay, so no one told me life was going to be this way. No. no I did five. You did. So now, do you think it's four or five? Now I'm totally confused. <laughs> now I'm just going to, I'm sticking with four. I'm sticking with four. Yeah. So the correct answer is four. Okay. But. Okay. I don't think you're the only one that does, well, Brett does five, but I think he does five to annoy me because I'm quite passionate about this. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's equal parts, I, uh, he annoys me, but equal parts, I respect him for trying to annoy me because, mm. he, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. He's a pretty, you know, um, placid kind of guy. So when he's trying to piss me off, I have to respect that. Oh, yeah. You got to go with that. Uh, yeah. And I won't say whether or not I've talked to Brett before this um, interview or not. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you guys were just on the on the old phone having a chat about sourdough and comparing notes. Yeah. And the Friends theme song. Cause... Yeah. Yeah. I don't think... Actually, Brett's tried sourdough a few times here and... I think it's like one of the things that he's just not interested in doing. But you, mm. you on the other hand, I think it's fair to say you're the sourdough queen. And this is before COVID. You were, you were oh, doing yeah, sourdough was, before yeah. it was cool. Oh, way before it was cool. That's like kind of the story of my life. I'm always, you know, <laughs> not quite there um, whenever it happens. So that's all right. No, I've been doing it for five years or so. Yeah. yeah. So well before COVID, I yeah. sent out dried sourdough starter to I think at least three countries now at this point about seven different people because they're all saying that they want to start their own sourdough and they can't get the starter going so I dry some of mine and I send it to them and then then I get then I get pictures of people that send me pictures of their sourdough bread loaves when they bake them so I've got many a picture on my phone that's just random loaves of sourdough from people's ovens (laughs) they're babies I know they are. I don't want to delete it either because they're all like my little kids. Oh, look at this one. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've saved one marriage by sending the sourdough starter because the wife was getting so pissed off that she couldn't get the sourdough starter going. And the husband was just in complete you know, disarray and dismay that she couldn't get it going. So he sent me a message saying, hey, can you send some over? And um, I said, sure. And sure enough, about a week later, I got a picture of a little baby sourdough loaf. Oh my gosh, it's a real thing. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know who this lovely woman uh, is, who I'm talking to on the other side of the globe, Lisa Roberts, recently retired from professional triathlon, Lisa Roberts. <laughs> hello, hello, everybody. <laughs> um, first of all, I, I actually I started writing down some notes this morning because I've got lots of questions, none of which really have anything to do with triathlon, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, that'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but, but I do want to start. Let's start. Actually, no, because I've changed my mind because I've just noticed something in the background uh, just behind over your right shoulder. 
um, oh. your little friend. Can, can you reach? Yes. Yeah. Can you reach him? All right. Of course, I can reach him. Always at arm's length. Yes. Who is this little guy? What is your obsession with Star Wars, um, Baby Yoda, and Ooh. well, your Instagram handle is Run Jedi. Run Jedi. Run. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Tell tell me. So, okay. So okay, I've always been in love with Star Wars. Anyway, I mean, I'm not a complete and total dork with it, but I certainly appreciate the movies. It's some of my favorite movies ever. And so. When actually, when I was in New Zealand last year, um, one of the few races I actually got to do was Coast to Coast, which is a um, you know an adventure multi-sport race that they have on the South Island. And my I did this relay with my husband, and so my major part of the relay was the 30k mountain run that went up and over Goats Pass. You're basically running through this river and through this forest and rocks, and it was just absolutely heinous uh, trail that we had to run. (laughs) And my first thought when I was running and practicing through this, you know, of course, you're running in New Zealand, so everything is just very wild and beautiful and, you know, natural and just, you know, ridiculously beautiful. So I'm running through, and the first thing that pops in my head is from one of the Star Wars movies, the original three Star Wars movies, when Luke Skywalker is doing his Jedi training and is carrying Yoda on his back while he's running and hopping over these rocks and through all these like mossy, you know, tree forest kind of stuff. I don't know why that popped in my head, but I just thought I should get myself a Yoda to put in my backpack so I can carry that whenever I run. And so I started looking for one when I was in New Zealand, couldn't find anything. And then as you do, just randomly sort of scrolling through like on Amazon or I don't know, online one day. And I came across this little guy. And so for $11.99 at Target in States, um, I found him. He's perfect. He's a perfect little size. So, okay. But I do have to say this one here that I have, he is the original one that we got that I made my husband drive about a half an hour out of our way to go get at a Target because there was only one left in California and we went and got it. And, um, but I have a second one. So, and he's not in here right now. He is in the other room. But the second one is the one who actually goes on the runs with me. And he has been <sighs> modified a little bit. So I brought him down to race weight. Because this guy here, he's a little <laughs> plump. See? He's plump here. He's got like some beans in his, in his bottom. So I, I can't carry that kind of weight and around. So I kind of took the stuffing out of the other one a little bit and took the <laughs> beans out to bring him down to race weight so he could fit into my pack. So, yes. Um, but, yes, that's my baby. <laughs> So yeah, so we have twins. Yeah, so we have the twins and my husband and I love to, they're always up to something. So my husband and I are always sticking them in random places in the house so that the other one will find them. So you never know if you like open up the microwave and baby Yoda is right there in the microwave or, you know, you open up your drawer to put your socks on and then there's baby Yoda. So he's kind of a little household um, joke that we have going on constantly. Oh my gosh. I, I love that. My best mate used to do a similar game with her dad long after she moved out of home. Um, you know, she's now 40, oh gosh, uh, 40, let's say six, I think. Um, yeah. And, you know, she's got three kids and everything, but still plays this game with her dad and they've got like this little baby Jesus. They're not religious. <laughs> they just think it's funny because it's a baby Jesus. And yeah. like her parents will travel around Australia in a caravan and, he too will open up 
you know, the awning or something and baby Jesus will fall out. And I, yes. I love that. This is a great game. Yes. Well, um, and I just did. So we had my, um, my stepson just moved out um, and he moved up to Phoenix just last weekend. And he's 23 years old, but, and he didn't like to admit it, but he loved the baby Yoda thing. And I would go and like stick him in his bed and he would, you know, find him at night and stuff. And so, but he didn't never want to admit that he liked this stuffed animal, baby Yoda. So what I did is I snuck, I went and bought another one. I won't tell you how many of these things I've actually purchased in the last, you know, year, but I bought another one and I went and I hid him in one of his boxes that he had packed up. So when he got to his apartment to unpack his boxes, um, he would have his own baby Yoda. And so, um, yes, baby Yoda now is sitting on his work desk at his new apartment. You are a cool stepmom. Oh, I thought that was pretty good. Every once in a while, I come up with a good idea. I don't do it very often, but every once in a while, yeah. And then clearly you do it to death because <laughs> you just keep buying baby Yoda's. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I have purchased six other ones for my mother because she has six <laughs> grandkids. And when she saw mine, well, she had to have one for herself. So, no, I bought seven for her because she couldn't figure out how to order something online. So I bought seven there and then three other. So I've purchased ten of them so far. Yeah. You are, Only I two like of mine. It. I like it though. Okay. It's like branding. It's it's brilliant. Yeah. I love it. He brings people love to see him when I run with him on the trails. I it's the best way to make friends. Yeah. Because everybody, almost everybody, knows Baby Yoda or at least Yoda, and so yep. when they see him in the backpack when I go running by, people are like, "Oh, Baby Yoda!" Or the other day I was running on the trail and there was a guy who didn't say anything else. As I came around, he kind of pulled up the side. I ran past him and he said, "May the force be with you." Um, and then I had the first incident of where somebody was, we were coming opposite directions. We passed each other. The guy saw the baby Yoda in the backpack, turned around and then proceeded to run behind me because he wanted to get a picture of it. So yeah, baby Yoda is, is a big hit on the trails. So now I just have to have him with me. I love it. Mm, friends you make. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's a good impression. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Also, just quietly, humble brag uh, with uh, the man that you were running behind and he had to pull over to the side to let you go past. Nice little humble brag there. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, guy. Oh. If you're listening, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> That's a cool – I love that story. And like you say, it's um, – it's uh, it starts a conversation, and I reckon that's probably yeah. the coolest part. What a cool story! Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Quick one, and I know it's always a controversial topic when it comes to Star Wars, and I don't really. I actually haven't seen the latest ones. Um, but mm-hmm. are you the original, as in the old ones, which are actually mm-hmm. four, five, and six? Is that right? Yes. Um, yeah. Are you are you more old school, or you, you're getting on board with the new stuff? Die hard old school. Die hard old school. Um, I mean, it was so many things about that. Like my my first movie crush ever was Harrison Ford. I mean, Han Solo. I just, yeah, loved every bit of it. And um, although I can appreciate all the new ones, and I definitely obviously appreciate the kind of the offshoots like the Mandalorian that's going on now. I appreciate that as well because I like the whole story to it. Um, There's nothing better to me than those than those original ones. And if you yeah. ever were to listen, because I had the original kind of DVD set where you could listen to kind of the director's cuts or you'd listen to the directors and producers and everybody and the actors talking about how they made the movie as they go along, the kind of stuff that they came up with back then, because it was so low budge. 
Like they're literally like dressing up elephants, you know, to make these big Bamfa thing. I mean, it's like, and they only had the budget to get two elephants, but they really wanted five. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I mean, this is so, yeah. So I, I just love that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, yeah. What they could do with very little compared to now where it, it feels like anyone could pull that off if you've got enough money, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 No, that's yeah, yeah. fair. Ah, I love that. Um, Okay, so this all came about in New Zealand, which is, I wanted to talk about New Zealand because that was, that was kind of like your send-off tour almost, wasn't it? That was the whole plan was to, yeah, do a whole bunch of races and races that you really wanted to do, not because they could qualify you for Kona or, you know, or what have you. Um, And then obviously the pandemic hit. Um, Did the pandemic um stop the career send off short or were you pretty happy with how things ended you know overall pretty happy with the way things ended i mean just last year was you know just disappointing kind of you know on many different levels but um i was just seeing last year 2020 as being just you know kind of just really having fun and just really enjoying not that I haven't enjoyed it over the years but just kind of just blowing the doors off the thing and just having a great time with all of it not really having a whole lot of stress or worry about trying to qualify for certain races or for Kona or doing anything like that so um and to have at least have that opportunity in New Zealand to start with um as I look back on it now you know Ironman New Zealand was the last Ironman that I did but it was also the first Ironman that I ever did um, way back when, before I was even professional. And so I thought, what a lovely way to kind of bookend that sort of chapter of my life um, in New Zealand. And um, I'm a big lover, as most people know, of New Zealand. So um, anything I can do in and around that country, um, I'm all for. So it was great. And then actually to, to have... And I kind of thought, okay, well, that was it. You know, New Zealand was it. And then um, Challenge Daytona came up, of which luckily I was barely qualified um, to get into, but had the opportunity to go to that. And I mean, that was an epic experience. And I thought that was the bomb way to go out because there were, although there wasn't everybody there that I'd been able to to race with or see or meet over the years, a lot of people were. And um, it was just just an epic all around, um, weekend and week with those people. And so I got to talk to a lot of people and just, like I said, just blow the barn doors off of it. I had a little bit too much wine, um, in the days leading up to the race. So I was basically (laughs) doing all those things that you really shouldn't do before you go into a race. Yeah. I did all of it. And I thought, yeah, this is great. (laughs) (laughs) And how cool to be able to look back and say you were a part of that, you know, that, that was a game changer for the, for the sport, that event. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad they were able to pull that one off because I really wanted to be a part of that. So, mm, yeah, absolutely. What was the um, if you, if you had a few too many wines before the race, what would what was the wine intake like post race? Oh God, I don't even remember. Uh, good answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just say it started pretty much the moment after I crossed the finish line. Yeah. I yep. think I had some stuff with me there cause they had, you know, RVs and stuff set up of which I wasn't in the RV, but, um, you know, Leanda, um, was there, which all bets are off whenever my girl Leanda's in town. So yeah, we started early and I don't really remember. I mean, I, I didn't have too early of a flight the next morning. I tried to, you know, I knew what was probably going to happen. So I tried to be easy on myself there. So, um, yeah, but it was still, plenty of wine being drunk, um, pretty late night, and then just shove everything that you could into your uh, suitcase so you can make your flight home. Yeah, that was great. 
I've I've had one too many flights post race hungover. It's not even so much the hung hungover. I, I this is maybe my way of justifying it. Not so much the alcohol intake and being hungover. It's the coming down from the event and the race and um, probably dehydrated and not, not I'm comparing my job to actually racing, but typically when oh. I'm out there all day, I don't drink properly. Um, right. Yeah. And then just no sleep and then having to pack. Um, and you know, yeah. you know how OCD you are when you pack going somewhere, but on the way back, <laughs> it's just get shit in there and get to the airport. <laughs> Yeah, and I saw that. I mean, the bike is always sort of the really finicky thing, but I mean, that whole week, because we were there for almost a week, you know, and there was a lot of events and things going on. So a lot of photo shoots or interviews and, you know, meetings and things that you had to go to. And, you know, we were getting, you know, you had all the other sort of protocols with being tested and make sure you wear your mask and all these other kind of things. So I mean, and I am typically, whenever I go to races, very OCD, you know, OCD packing. When I get there, everything gets organized, you know, in the hotel room, so I don't have to think about much. I never once had an, a second of that week where I had, I mean, my, my hotel room was a disaster zone the entire week. And I just kept thinking, oh, I really should clean this up. And I'd spend about 20 minutes trying to organize it, and it didn't look any better and then I just finally gave up after about day two or three. I just went, you know what? Nah, this is the best way to go out. We're just yeah. we're riding the coattails on this one. And wherever this goes, this goes. Because I don't know if I've got the right thing. I wasn't sure when I showed up on race day that I even had all my equipment because everything was just, I didn't know. I thought, well, you know, I'll just make it up. Um, I, I can do this. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I love it. Almost go full circle again, back to not knowing what to do when you first do a triathlon. Let's just, let's just have that feeling and that sensation again. Why not? That was actually, it was very close to that. Yeah. It was very close to going, yeah, I'll just kind of make that. I think I kind of know what I'm doing and, um, yeah, you know, I got, I got some shoes. I got a bike. Not sure if there's enough air in the tires. I'm pretty sure that's not proper, but you know what? I can, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> Swim bike run. What could go wrong? Yep. <laughs> now, now speaking of after parties um challenge rot is one of the biggest after parties mm. that i have ever been to and rot or to most people roth is actually where i think i first met you yes i think so yes Back in 2017 maybe yeah was it i think I mean, obviously I might... i'd known of you but um... well obviously <laughs> yeah who doesn't? <laughs> I am joking. For those who don't get that sarcasm, I'm absolutely joking. Um, I knew of you, but I'd never met you. But I think it was your first Roth, I think. It was, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It was one of those I'd been trying to go to for many years and, you know, always something would come up. And this, and then that particular year was even more random because that was my first full distance race back because I had broken my foot um, later in the year before that. So whatever, seven months be prior, I had broken my foot. So I was just coming back from a stress fracture in my foot and, um, was pretty sure that I wasn't, you know, my coach wasn't going to let me do that race, but I kind of kept pressing and kept pressing. And he said, all right, you know, last minute he was like, all right, see if you can get in there. And so thank God Belinda let me in. Um, and I got to race it cause that was absolutely epic. Yeah. Yeah, one of one of the best. Uh, I've raced it twice, and still to this day, one of the best yeah. events. Yeah, because it's not just the race, is it? It's the just the entire race week is yeah. incredible. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the people. Yeah. 
I, f- I just feel like pe- people always just want to come back. And I, it, for me, it always feels like a bit of a homecoming going back there. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely going back to watch to watch the race. I mean, that that's going to be on my list of things to go and just spectate and just be part of the partying and part of the, the whole atmosphere. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got, I now have like, I have several different homestays that I've had over the years. And so now there's, I have to split my time between all these homestays because they're always like, well, are you going to go stay with this one? Or are you going to come stay with us? And so the guilt factor of who I'm going to stay with, I said, all right, I'm going to stay with, stay with you guys for the first two nights and then you guys the next two. And then, yeah. So, but that's a good problem to have, I think. Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully I'll be there and I'll catch up with you as well because I'm also looking forward to seeing our homestay too. We've gotten really close yeah. to them and um, I went there with Frankie when she was six months old. So they, you know, they got to see her. Wasn't that her first flight? Like, that was the first international oh, flight that you had with her? No, no. Kona was when she yeah. was seven oh. and a half weeks or eight weeks old. Yeah. Oh my God. What are you, nuts? A <laughs> little bit. <laughs> A little bit. Have you just met me? <laughs> True. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like I look back at that time and yeah, I think it's crazy, but I just, I don't know what happens to your body. I don't know. Your body sort of builds up all this adrenaline and you just get shit done in that period of time. Like if I today um, was operating on the amount of sleep that I was getting back then, I, I don't know how I do it, but there's just something that, happens and you just you just get it done it's incredible yep yeah yep amazing um yeah. just speaking of kids i i didn't realize that you were a stepmom oh really yeah i had no idea yeah. so just to one just to one yep ah okay and yeah. you guys clearly get along really well yeah yeah we get along we like to tease john his dad that's that's our main that's our main connection so, which is easy to do, but, uh, yeah, no, we've got it. We're, we're very similar. We have very similar personalities, so that helps. And, and I probably, yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I guess I don't talk about it much because I always just consider, I never really consider myself a stepmom. I'm just Lisa, you know, just Lisa yeah, right. and that's, you know, cool. So yeah, I never really, I, that's probably a really bad thing to say. I never really felt like a mom because I did. Um, but still, I just never really thought of like stepmom to me just, I don't know, sounds sounds very official (laughs) so I just figure I'm just gonna be Lisa I'm just gonna be your friend uh and yeah so I can you know if you need somebody to talk to that you don't want to talk to your mom and dad about it fine I'm here so yeah 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 I don't I don't think it sounds bad at all I completely understand like that label just sounds probably sounds a little bit it doesn't roll off the tongue um no it doesn't it sounds evil like there's always it does it does yeah yeah (laughs) it's very Disney (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> How long have you and John been together for? Oh gosh, it's been oh god, what year is it? Over ten years now, I think. We've been married for it'll be seven years. He's gonna yes, it will be seven years in July. Yeah. 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 And we actually got married, I mean, well, we exchanged our vows um in the south of France in oh, no, no. the Pyrenees. And so we rode our bikes um up to the top of the Col de Tourmalet. So this was like kind of the best of both worlds because John likes to ride his bike, but he hates going uphill. He <laughs> loves to go downhill. I like to go uphill. I could care less to go downhill. Really? So, yeah. So we got dressed up. So he put on like a little, like a white, you know, collared shirt with a, you know, a bow tie. And then I had like a little, and like a, he had like a black 
something or other over that. And then I had like a little, it was essentially like a white negligee, but I wore it over my um, cycling shorts. And then I found like some little wildflowers and tucked it into the front of my handlebars. And so then we made our way up and we rode our bikes up the top to the top of the Col de Tourmalet. And then, um, so then we got up there and it's just us, you know, up there by ourselves. We were trying to coordinate with a friend of ours who his dad, his dad was a mayor in one of the towns and could technically marry us if we wanted to, but anyway, so that didn't work out. But so we figured, okay, we'll just exchange our vows when we get up to the top. And so we did. And as we're standing there, you know, if you know, the kind of iconic sort of symbol, the bicycle, um, the guy on the bicycle kind of a statue that's up there at the top, we're standing right there doing it. And the usual thing at the top of these um, climbs, there's always people milling about, cyclists and motorcycle guys and people wandering around. And so they could clearly tell what was going on between the two of us. And so then we had just random people offering us gifts while we were up there. So we had one cyclist come up and he had like a little Ziploc baggie with some trail mix in it. And he offered that to us as a gift, you know, for us exchanging our (laughs) And so it was the sweetest thing ever that I think I've ever experienced. And so, yeah, so that was us exchanging our vows, um, you know, back almost seven years ago. And then then when we got home, then we kind of had like a a little bit more formal kind of, you know, dinner and get together with family and and friends here. But yeah, so that was a really special, unique way to do it. Um, Because, you know, I kind of kept going through those the thing with the wedding, the whole wedding thing. And I wanted it small. But every time you try to do something like that, it just gets to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And I thought, no, this isn't what I want. I want it small. And so the decision paralysis was just, it was, I, I couldn't take it anymore. So I just said, you know what, look, we're just going to go do it, the two of us and then we'll just deal with the rest of it later. So that's what we did. Good on you. I love that. That is, that's unreal. <laughs> and the people giving you gifts. That's that was so, so cool. sweet. Oh my God. It, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. That was so awesome. Yeah. So and I then, sh- oh, we also had, because I had just done, um, I think I had just done Ironman France um, a month or two before that. And so, um, yeah, I forgot. John had pinned on, so we wrote on the back of my race number from Ironman France, we wrote just married, and then he pinned it on the back of his shirt because, you know, how they write, you know, just married, like yep. on the back of the cars that people drive away in. So he had that on the back of his shirt um, as we rode up the mountain as well. So That is unreal. I love yeah. it. <laughs> So I assume you beat him up the mountain or did you have to hang hang back and, you know, ride with him? I hung back. Yeah. I hung back, you know. I just I couldn't crush the guy on the wedding day, so. <laughs> <laughs> but did he wait for me going downhill? No. Hell no. So, no. Oh, Mm-mm. gosh. The start, the start of the realities of being married. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I thought, yeah, this is about what I thought it would be. Yeah. <laughs> Freddie and I are the exact opposite. I mean, I don't hate going uphill, but I love going downhill. And he's mm. he's not a fan. Um, but it's annoying because he'll, he'll, you know, get up ahead of me, but then soft pedal downhill. And then if I can't get around him, I'm stuck behind him and I can't even enjoy the bit that I love because I can't get around yeah. him. And I'm like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's part of it. You know what? I figure... Go for it, babe. Just just do it. You know, I don't want to yeah. be holding you back because that's frustrating. Too. The last thing I want to hear is like his brakes behind me the yeah, whole yeah. time. Like, nah, just just go. I'll, I'll see you down at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, what an awesome story. Um, Now, John, I met him in – oh, I may have met him in – would I have met him in Roth? Maybe. No, you were there by yourself, I think. I was there by myself that year, yeah. Um, You met him – 
Oh my god, in New Zealand. I think that was the first time you met him. Was yeah, New Zealand. I, I think maybe so. Kona. Yeah, ma- oh maybe. maybe Kona. But the first we did yeah. one of the Wahin Warrior things. Yeah. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I was. I think I was on the back of his scooter. <laughs> probably because we had a scooter that year. Yes, yes. you were. <laughs> <laughs> Should probably probably remember every man's scooter I've been on the back of but anyway there's been a few scooters. Yeah, you should no you shouldn't you shouldn't hopefully Brett doesn't hear that but oh you shouldn't no way <laughs> <laughs> um but uh in New Zealand I got to chat to him uh a, a fair bit and he's a lovely man but he is not oh that sounded bad but I was, I was about Nothing to Nothing good comes after butt. No, Nothing it doesn't. Good comes after that. I, I'll retract that. I was I was trying to say he's a, a really lovely man, but he exceeded my expectations um, mm. when he hung out with Frankie um, because, oh. yeah, you and I had to do an interview in your um, RV. That, you guys call it an RV, don't you? Yeah, RV. Yeah, RV, camper van. I think there's some distinguishing characteristics yeah. between them, but yeah. Some, yeah, motorhome, something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, it wasn't like we could put Frankie in a room by you know and just hang out in a yeah. room because there's, there was no other rooms. So he yeah. <laughs> he just took Frankie off for a walk and they had a jolly old time and she was completely fine walking off with him, which is concerning <laughs> to an extent as well because he was a stranger to her. But he was so good with her. Yeah. Oh, he still talks about that. He Aww. still talks about it. I know. That's yeah, that was so cute. sweet. Super, super. Until sweet. we thought that he stole her, because then we couldn't find them when we were finished <laughs> with the interview. Then there was a little bit of panic. I had to kind of justify and you know make sure, you know, assure you that he's yeah. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I really remember and appreciated that because it wasn't to me. It, it didn't feel like a chore for him. He, he actually was. He seemed quite excited to go and do stuff with her, and it wasn't just about, um, you know, keeping her. Well, he wanted to entertain her, not just keep her away yeah. from us. And it, I just thought that was super sweet. Yeah. Aw. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's the ultimate support guy, no matter what. Whatever it, whatever it is, yeah, he's there. That's very obvious. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up from Ironman New Zealand was you being amazing. And it was, uh, you know, I've always always got along well, uh, really well with you. I've always thought you're a, a great person, but... The moment that really cemented it for me with you was, um, and again, that's not to disregard every other time that I've caught up with you, um, but Radka was meant to be on our post-race panel, um, oh, yeah. but she got really sick um, and you text me the morning, so this is the day after the race, everyone, and mm-hmm. you text me first thing in the morning and said, if if Radka can't make it, then I can, you know, jump on the panel last minute, no dramas. And I was just like, the fact that you thought to reach out to me, A, was amazing, and then B, having no idea what we were going to be doing, <laughs> couldn't prepare, nothing. You're like, ah, oh, I'll jump in. Then you were the first person to arrive as well. And I was like, this woman <laughs> is amazing. Well, and you had mentioned at some point through there that you said it had kind of had the format of the Graham Norton show, of which I am a huge fan. And I thought, oh, all right, I'm in for this. This is great because I think there's alcohol that's going to be involved. Oh, this is going to be good. So, um, oh, yeah, right. you didn't have yeah. to twist my arm too much. I'm I'm sorry, Radka, that you were ill and couldn't make that, but I had a blast. <laughs> and you're amazing. And I actually 
because I hadn't really seen you on panels or anything before, but you were on yeah. the pre-race panel for the um, that I was hosting for the Women for Try. Oh, and yeah. And I was just like, you are, you are fantastic in a panel situation. Oh. You really, I... Not, I mean, I just hadn't seen you before in that kind of circumstance. Mm-hmm. I was like, you, you are good, great banter. Um, it's yeah, you think about the questions and come up with usually a, a pretty funny kind of story, which people love. You're really good at yeah. it. Oh, thanks. I love the panel kind of discussion things. I'm never. I mean, yeah, if it's just sort of a Q and A kind of you know interview sort of thing, I can do that. But it's fairly robotic, um, and I just don't enjoy it as much as being able to kind of bounce off of you know, the other people who are also up on the panel and just feeding off of other things that have been discussed, you know, a few minutes before and rolling that into and maybe an answer to a question that somebody had. So that's the best. And that those are the most, I've, I get the most sort of feedback from people who were actually in the audience um, doing that. I mean, still to this day, I have people that, you know, comment on that Women for Try thing at Ironman New Zealand and how much they enjoyed that. Yeah. And so I think people get a lot more out of those kind of things when people can kind of sort of open up and just sort of let loose. And uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that was great. There's a part, don't you think, that with a panel, it's almost a little bit safety in numbers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you feel a bit more comfortable? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it, And I always like to try to be... I mean, depending on who's on the panel as well, I mean, sometimes there's other people that have kind of the same approach as I do, but if I'm up there with people who might not kind of feel like they're still a little bit sort of holding back a little bit, I try to kind of just like open up that door just a little bit for them to let them know that, hey, look, it's okay to kind of have a little bit of a laugh and and to to have some fun with this. You don't need to be so serious all the time. And and I think a lot of that comes from, I because I've been a landscape architect for a very long time and um I was lucky enough when I first started working here in Tucson, this is even before I was, uh, obviously before I was a professional triathlete as well, but my boss um, was one of the first female business owners of landscape architect business owners in Tucson, or actually even in the state of Arizona way back in the day. Wow. And so she was a very progressive lady. And um, I thank her to this day for, I, she must've seen something in me as far as my, you know, people skills or project management skills or something to where, I mean, she threw me in the deep end when I first started working there. I immediately started managing projects within the first year and literally going in and sitting in on these gigantic meetings. We would do a lot of these big public works projects. So we would work, I'd work with multiple engineers um, and, you know, architects and, you know, city and county and all these sort of district kind of, you know, authorities. And I'd go, I'd walk into these rooms and I'm probably 23, 24 years old. And most of these men are certainly old enough to be my father. A few of them old enough to be my grandfather have been doing this longer than I've been alive. And it's a room full of engineers. So, I mean, bless their hearts for any engineers that are out there listening. I love you all. I absolutely love you all. But they're not exactly kind of the, you know, sort of like, hey, how's it going sort of kind of person whenever it comes to a meeting. Sure. So I'd sit at this massive table with all these engineers and just kind of sit there and I'd watch, you know, most of them sit there and they would just straighten their papers, straighten their pen, da, da, da. And everybody would sit there and just be very quiet and just wait for the meeting to start. And after one or two of meetings like that, I thought, oh, this is brutal. So I just kind of started right from the get-go, just turn to the guy next to me and say, 
so what'd you get up to this weekend? You know, anything fun? Blah, 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 blah. And start the conversation a little bit. And then before you know it, somebody else across the table has mentioned something. And then we're chit-chatting about this and that. And then you get to know everybody a little bit more. And then what do you know? Like, it's just, it's way more productive meeting and just a lot more enjoyable than the usual kind of just very sort of, you know, stodgy, very stiff kind of meetings. And so I, I just immediately kind of fell into that sort of role from the get-go. And so I think wow. it kind of branches out a little bit to help kind of just bring people out a little bit, <laughs> let them yep. know it's okay. <laughs> when, yeah. when did you, I find this quite interesting because this is, I've had these conversations quite recently because um, you know, I'm working on myself and um, mm-hmm. just trying to figure out where my strengths lie and all, that, all those kind of things, which is why I'm interested in your story. At what point did you recognize that that was a, a skill or a strength of yours that you may not necessarily have worked on? Mm-hmm. It's, probably yeah. in, in built in you that you've just, it's, it's, it's worked in your personal life and your professional life. Gosh, you know, I never really, I mean, I might probably the first time I think I, it was pointed out to me by somebody else. So it wasn't something that I thought, Oh, I'm, I'm really good at this. I should keep doing this. I yeah. mean, I think one, my boss kept like, I think she kind of saw like, cause they were all clients of ours in these, in these meetings. So I think she was getting feedback from the clients. So she was happy about that. So I kept she kept giving me projects to go and to do and to manage and go to these meetings. So that was one indication. And then the other one was there was this one particular engineer in town. He was just the grumpiest <laughs> old man ever. He was just so grumpy. And he was like kind of the one guy that I could never felt like I could sort of break through at all. And so I, you know, I would kind of try and I'd kind of try. And I just thought, nah, this guy is beyond my ability um, to get him to open up. But, um, he, at some conference we were at, um, I'll never forget. It was kind of like a little opening sort of, you know, meet and mingle sort of thing. I see this guy across the room. We kind of catch eyes for a second and he screams from across the room, Lisa, baby, how are you doing? Come on over here. And I thought, <laughs> I've done it. I've broken through like this. And I'll never, because at the time I had, um, it was another engineer guy um, who was my boyfriend at the time. And I was standing there talking with him and his jaw about dropped to the floor. Because again, this was just kind of one of those, like, you just never messed with this guy. You just, just don't mess with him. He's just, he's tough. He's grumpy. He's done this for too long. And he just went like, (laughs) what what have you done? And that I thought, that's it. I've broken through. Yeah. (laughs) I... It's one of my favorite things as well doing is meeting strangers, finding out about them, connecting people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely one of my favorite things. And I, I didn't, I guess I didn't recognize it as a, as a skill or anything uh, for, yeah. for such a long time until people start to point it out or you do a bit of reflecting and you, you realize that that is, you know, something that yeah. you're clearly good at and not everyone has that skill, which is fine. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I love that. It's one of my favorite parts of my, my job, but also just my personal life as well. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it about um, landscape landscape architecture? What, mm-hmm. what, what, what was it about that that drew you in? God. So honestly, so there's two different ways that this came about. Um, one is that um, – Growing up, my grandfather was, he was a master gardener and a painter. And um, I always remember hanging out with him and just watching, like he would, you know, graft 
you know, different trees on one another and just see what kind of fruits it would grow. And so he's always tinkering around with something. I mean, just like sort of mad scientist kind of stuff. Wait, hang on, hang on, and hang then on, my dad, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yes. Yes. So, graft trees onto each other. Yeah. To make. So you'd have like half, yeah, like half a peach tree, half an apple tree or something like that ha- to see if it would work. What how, what how what do you mean how does that work you just have like little you have like little saplings and you just like literally like cut slivers off of each one and then you just stick them together and you kind of wrap them together and then they they kind of grow into one another and you know sometimes it works sometimes it's like a complete frankenstein sort of thing you've just created a monster that you have to get rid of but um sometimes it works yeah so is yeah is that how um say it I don't even know if you call it over a Nashi pear. Have you heard of a Nashi pear? Is that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. See? <laughs> I I didn't know that you could do such a thing, but I guess that makes sense. This was just, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. They graft trees together all the time now. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh. They've got trees now that they call, that they call fruit salad because I think it grows like three or four different types of fruits. Yeah. It's, it's a bastardization. <laughs> but, yeah. Given it any thought, but I mean, it makes sense. But oh my goodness! Well, there you yeah. go. There, sorry, I interrupted, yeah. but I feel like that was a pretty important interruption. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was well worth it. Um, so my I grew up with my grandpa doing this. My dad was the same way, you know, tinkering around. You know, he built our whole house when we were growing up, so he was always building things and drawing things, and and same thing. Like we always had big gardens and stuff. And my dad was also a, um, he was a cartographer. So he drew maps for the state of Illinois. So he was always in charge of kind of the, every year, you know, they'd put together a new, you know, Illinois state roadmap. And so he was kind of in charge of putting all that stuff together. And so I didn't know that I was kind of growing up around this sort of, you know, gardening, planting, designing, drawing, you know, kind of, um, you know, thing. And so that was just how I grew up. So but while I was growing up, my whole life, I always wanted to be a doctor. That was from day one when people would ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I wanted to be not just a doctor. I wanted to be a pediatrician. That was it. So right. uh, being a pediatrician. So on I go, on I go um, into my undergraduate. And so I go in, I'm pre-med biology. And so I go through first two years of that. You know, everything's going along fine. And I sat down with my advisor to go through kind of the next two years worth of classes that I needed to sign up for and, and get ready for. So we're going through kind of the list of, you know, prerequisites or whatever, I you know, the ones that I had to take and then maybe some extra little fun ones that I wanted to take. And one of the classes that I had to take was called Death and Dying or something to that effect. And I said, well, I like, what is that about? Because that doesn't sound very fun. And she said, well, you know, it's kind of like a you know, psychology class or whatever to basically to teach, you know, doctors how to lose patients and how to, you know, talk to families that, you know, their loved one is dying and da, 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 da. and it was at that very moment that I realized, because all the while up to this point, I'm thinking, I'm never going to lose patients. This is going to be great. I'm going to save people. I'm going to make people healthy. I want all these things. And the reality of that set in, and it set in so hard as I was sitting right there that right then and there, I said, I can't do this. I just realized I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to handle losing a patient. I would not be good at, you know, having to talk to somebody or their family members about, you know, somebody dying. So right then and there, I said, I can't do this. And she said, well, um, okay. She said, now's the time to figure this out. And I said, so, okay, well now what do we do? And she said, well, what do you like? And I said, well, you know, I like biology. I like plants. She said, okay, well, so I just ended up at that point, 
just having a degree in biology, I specialized in botany, so I became kind of a bona fide sort of plant nerd at that point. And then I had a lot of extra kind of credit hours that I had to take. So I just immediately signed up for like these different art classes, art and graphics and, you know, site design and, and, you know, CAD, like, you know, computer aided drafting things and stuff. So those seemed interesting to me. So I just signed up for them again, having no idea what the hell any of this was going to do for me. I just thought this was fun. And then it was my dad who suggested one day um, when we were out kind of, you know, in the yard dealing with something. And he said, you know, he goes, you should be a landscape architect. And I said, that sounds great, Dad. Did you just make that up? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, no, it's an actual profession. Maybe you might want to look it up, and that might be something that you'd be interested in doing. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. I looked it up, and I went, holy crap, this sounds awesome. So it makes plants. It makes design. You know, you get to be outside, all these kind of things. All this rolled into one. And so from there on, I thought, all right, that's what I want to be as a landscape architect. And And that is actually the thing that brought me to Tucson at that point, too, is that that had a really good, fun, um, interesting landscape architecture program that had a master's degree um, to it as well. And so, and it was also as far as I could get from Illinois at that point in time, because, you know, whatever, 21, 22 years old, I thought, all right, it's time for me. I think I need to get out of Illinois for a while and go see something different. And um, so came to Tucson, checked it out, saw mountains, I saw cactus, I saw all this random stuff that, you know, we don't see in Illinois at all. And I went, that's it, I'm in, I'm going. So that was it. I came and I got my master's degree in landscape architecture at the U of A. So, yeah. (laughs) And then that's how I got into triathlon because, you know, it's just crawling with triathletes around here. So that was it. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I've got quite a few questions. Well, first of all, have you, yes. Heather Wirtel and Josh Amberger, ever been in the same room together to discuss plants and trees? Because I feel like you'd geek out hard. We would really geek out hard. No, I've not had that opportunity. And here's another fun fact, too. <laughs> ben Hoffman has a degree in landscape architecture. Yeah. And you know how I found this out? Is that he was going to do a favor for me. This was I also had to do... With Challenge Roads, I think the last time that I was, well, yeah, I attempted to do it, but then got kicked in. Anyway, so he, I was already in Europe and I had some like new Aerobar extensions that were delayed in getting shipped to me. I was already in Europe and then I knew he was coming to do Challenge Roads that year. And so I was kind of setting up with him. I said, Ben, I said, look, I go, if I can get this thing rerouted to you, would you bring these, you know, carbon, you know, Aerobar extensions to you? To Germ- with you to Germany so I can have them. And he said, sure, that's fine. So, of course, there was all sorts of, like, ridiculousness that happened with that. But anyway, he was willing to do that. That whole thing fell through that year anyway because he couldn't make it because he got injured. But um, anyway, I said, I really appreciate, you know, this effort that you put forward to even trying to make this happen. I go, if you need anything, let me know. I said, you know, I do landscape design. If you need a design for your house, I'll come do a design for your house. And he said, no need. I have a degree in landscape architecture. <laughs> well there you go (laughs) and I said what (laughs) yeah wow learning so much about you and Ben Hoffman apparently yeah so yeah little I know so are you back or have you continued working as a landscape architect throughout or sort of so I haven't for the first oh gosh maybe because I turned pro like in 2008 2009 and I had been working as a landscape architect since 2002, but I had started my own landscape architecture company 
um, right about the same time that I decided to turn pro, which was seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> Great timing. <laughs> Not a good idea. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> And so, yeah, because I thought, oh, this would be great because then I can kind of set my own schedule sort of thing. And I just quickly realized that when you own your own business, basically you get to choose which 80 hours a week you want to work. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You don't get to work less. You just choose, you know, it can be three in the morning. That's fine. But yeah. So anyway, um, so yeah, so then I had owned my own business for, oh gosh, a good, the first six years or so that I raised professionally also. Because again, it's that, there's a whole nervous factor of, am I going to make any money doing this? I don't really want to give this up. I have a mortgage to pay. I have, you know, car payments. I can't quite make this leap right now. Yeah. So I kept that going throughout. And um, that is really, really, I mean, I, I totally understand and appreciate and can feel people who, you know, work full time and have, you know, families to take care of and are also training, you know, seriously for triathlon. I feel it. I know it. Um, I have, you know, done a lot of those days of, you know, getting two hours of sleep and then waking up and doing a four hour bike ride. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I did that. I owned my own company and then, you know, merged it with another one, um, kind of around 2014 timeframe, at which point I was thinking, okay, I mean, I'd already been racing professionally for a while. And so I probably should have done it earlier, but, um, I thought, look, I've only got a few more good years of doing this, I think. So I really need to focus on it because I really wanted to try to win some races. And I was, I was kind of knocking on that door and I thought something's got to give here at this point. Um, I can't, I was finding out I was doing everything sort of poorly. Um, as I was doing a lot of things poorly as opposed to sort of one or two things really well. So I made that leap um, over um, and had my business partner take over on the company at that point. And then, yeah, in 2014 is when I really sort of stepped right into being full-time professional triathlete. Um, and that was the point actually when I, you know, then I picked up a few other sponsorships at that point and I started, you know, winning or at least getting on podiums, um, at Ironman races and, and other races around the world. So, and the thing that I want to stress with that is that it, that stepping back from working didn't just give me more time to train. Actually, my training stayed pretty much the same. I just had more time to rest yeah. and that was the big, that was the key. Um, that yeah. was the absolute key. I think, yeah. That is the thing that I think is forgotten the most when people talk about going full-time is that it's not necessarily yeah. more training hours. It's the rest that's important. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. when you say things like, I slept two hours and rode for four hours, I think a good rule of thumb would be to ride less <laughs> than the amount of time that you slept. <laughs> mm, mm, you're good. Yes, that's a good idea. Yeah. And, you know, at the time too, um, Leanda Cave can attest to this because at this point in time, um, she was living in, she was renting out a condo unit that was just below me. And this was when, not long after I'd started <sighs> my own company, of which, yeah, I was still running it out of my condo. I mean, I was having pe business meetings, you know, in my little dining room of my condos, just the most random thing. I can't believe that that actually happened, but yeah, but getting um, shit done, so you're you just getting, I shit, getting done. shit done. I like <laughs> yeah, it. That was it. It was just, it was just like you said earlier too, where it's just like, you don't really think about like the craziness of it. Like you're just on, like, I just got to get this done. Mm -hmm. And somehow it, it finds a way to get itself done. But Leanda can attest to, you know, we would chat, you know, over dinner, like we'd get together for dinner or something that night or just, you know, chat with each other and say, hey, look, you know, we'll do a run in the morning. Okay, cool. What time? Seven o'clock. All right, cool. And we'd go our separate ways. I would go back up into the condo and I would literally work all night long on stuff all night long. 
and not sleep at all and literally then just change clothes, brush my teeth and then walk down to go meet her to go run the next morning. And she would, she'd kind of look at me and go, have you slept at all yet? No, haven't slept yet. I'll do that later. And it's just, it was insane. It was absolutely insane. Yeah. Yeah. We got it done. Not recommended, but it's, it's incredible what you can get done. So yeah, that's how you two met was. Yes. Yeah. That's so interesting. And you yeah. you two are really tired, aren't you? Yeah, she's my buddy. Yeah. I mean, I had I had no clue who she was whenever, you know, that. she moved in. All I knew is that like the U-Haul pulled up one day and the first thing that got unloaded was like a park to a bike stand or something and I thought, "Oh, cool. This is going to be awesome." Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so then we just, you know, obviously just kind of ran into each other or introduced each- ourselves to each other and that was it. So, yeah, we would do most of our training together. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. You said you mentioned you mentioned this, uh, and I find it find it quite interesting. You go from a, a med student to landscape architect to professional triathlete, which is <laughs> amazing. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what other than just seeing people swimming, riding, and running in Tucson? How did you actually get into triathlon? <sighs> that was about it. I mean, that was really it. I mean, I'm clueless as to what this whole thing was, and it was. I mean, there was a couple of things I think that really fit into like, like the timing of when I got introduced to triathlon. I mean, first of all, you know, on the very basic level, there was a, a lady who was going, uh, was in a master's program with me who she came over from San Luis Obispo, which another big, you know, triathlon hotspot over there as well. And she had said, oh, you know, you should give triathlon a go. And I said, all right, yeah, that's cool. You know, I didn't have a bike. I didn't, still don't really quite know how to swim, but you know, all this. <laughs> I digress. Uh, <laughs> but, um, the swim so is I just thought, the okay, start yeah, to get to the bike. That's, that's, yeah, just, yeah, just get through the swim yeah. so you can. It's the warm up for the bike. I get it. I'm on board. That's, yes, that's it. Sorry, that's absolutely it. Keep going. Yeah. So that was. I mean, that was kind of you know the crux of how I got started. Somebody suggested that I should give it a try, and I said, "All right, that sounds kind of interesting, and it's different." You know, I was kind of a little bit bored from just running all the time, mm-hmm. and I mean, and then on the other, on the flip side of it too, is that is right when I moved to Tucson in 2000, um, my dad, um, suddenly passed away and, um, he was in a wheelchair for like 11 years up to that point. He was in, he was actually, he was in a swimming accident. He dove into an above ground pool and hit his head on the bottom and broke a few of his vertebrae. And so that happened in when I was 10 or 11 years old. And so, yeah, he was in a wheelchair quadriplegic for 11 years after that. And that was a very big defining, you know, sort of, obviously thing in my life as well. And, um, as soon as I had moved to Tucson in 2000, um, he passed away very suddenly, um, literally that summer that I had moved um, to Tucson. And so I was in a, a, you know, across the country in a place I didn't know anybody, um, starting this whole new venture, had no idea what I'm doing whatsoever. You know, small town girl, I grew up in a very, very small town. We had 1600 people, I think in my town. And now I'm in a town of, you know, like a million people and, um, a little bit lost. Um, and I wouldn't say that I was, you know, completely going off the deep end, but I was definitely kind of straying off into other avenues of, you know, just basic, you know, kind of partying stuff or, you know, depression bouts, um, you know, all these things, you know, I would, I distinctly remember just, you know, kind of times when I would be riding my bike into, um, the university and I would just, you know, burst into tears, just riding my bike and for no apparent reason whatsoever, and just cry all the way, you know, to school and then kind of like sort of, you know, pull myself together so I could go to classes that day. And there was something about, you know, the timing of when, you know, Bev, my friend in the 
college program suggested I do triathlon, and then I kind of started to get into the triathlon community, showing up to master swim programs and things like that, and different groups. And it was that community of people who just kind of they immediately brought me in and kind of showed me the ropes and just you know you know letting me borrow gear and just so open and welcoming that I think it was that pivot point where you know it was my outlet for all that kind of you know pent up energy and depression and sadness and everything all got directed into triathlon. So um, I think, you know, both of those things, I think timing of all that was critical um, to me really kind of latching onto triathlon and really loving it and enjoying it. Cause I think in a lot of ways it kind of, it helped save me from going down some other, you know, random path that I don't know where I would be at this point. Yeah. Wow. Um, I was not <laughs> expecting that. Um, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. Um, mm. and I, I'm going, I'm just going to, this might sound a little bit left field, but one of the notes that I'd made while we were chatting was you keep mentioning your dad. You were clearly very close with your dad. He, to me, yeah. just, just taking in what you're saying and I've written down hero, dad, question mark, that kind of thing. And yeah, yeah. Cor- correct me if I'm wrong, it, like he's, he seems to me like he, he was a really big part of your life and a very important part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was always kind of daddy's girl anyway. Um, so that was that from, from the get go. And yeah, he was always my hero, always, always my hero. And then, you know, after, after his accident, it was interesting to see, he was always kind of, he just sort of kept to himself most of the time. You know, he, like I said, he built our house. He just liked to piddle around in the yard in the weekends. And after he got off work and, you know, he just cracked open a beer or two and, you know, just kind of, you know, work away on things and just keep to himself for the most part. And then after he had his accident, um, he, you know, he, he had to open up a bit more cause he needed help from people. You know, he always did everything on his own and now he needed help from people. And, um, it was very amazing to see that transformation um, in his personality to, you know, not that he was, you know, rude to people. He just kept himself most of the time. But now he was really opening up and people said, you know, would say that, wow, he's become a completely different person now. And um, just, you know, accepting of the help and being more open to people and really kind of that, again, there was that sense of community in, again, small town community, but still how everybody would band together over a certain cause and, you know, to the point where, you know, our house growing up, you know, we had like an attached garage to our house and obviously it was a two-story house and he couldn't get up the stairs anymore. So a couple of the local guys came over and converted our attached garage into basically a bedroom and bathroom for him. And, um, you know, took a couple of weeks and converted the whole thing, built a ramp up to it and, you know, away we went. And, and my dad, he still worked as a cartographer for the state of Illinois, um, you know, after he got out of the hospital and, you know, everything else kind of came around. But the amazing part to that was that, so he worked in Springfield, Illinois, which was about a 50 minute drive from our house every day. And it was he and another guy in our town who was also in a wheelchair for much different reason. He 17 years old, I think he slid into second base when he was playing baseball, hit his head on the, you know, on the base and, you know, same thing like broke his neck. I mean, just some of the stories and some of how this happens to a lot of people is amazing. But you have two guys in their wheelchairs driving in the sense we had a whole van that was converted so that he could pull his wheelchair up and the whole thing was just outfitted so that he could drive this van up. So two dudes in their wheelchairs every day would commute 50 minutes up to work. And then every day, you know, commute back home. And it was just, it was that kind of sort of that perseverance and just a lot of it, 
is, you know, perseverance is one, but then, you know, in the face of really shitty situations happening, you know, real shit stuff going on, my dad had the best, you know, sense of humor about it. We would laugh and joke about just like the shit that he couldn't do anymore. You know, he would just, I mean, he would have bad days. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like he would have really bad days where he'd be really pissed off about his situation, which I don't blame him one bit. But the vast majority of the time, like we would just have a good laugh about it. Yeah. And, and I take that through with me, you know, to everything that happens. So it's, you know, whether it's something like, you know, it happens in a race, some shit thing happens in a race, you know, it's just sort of like, not only can it's like, okay, it can be a lot worse than this, but you know, you just kind of learn to find, find the humor in it a little bit and move on and find your best way through and just be done with it for that day. And, um, that has really carried me through a lot of things in life. Um, in particular, a lot of the races that I've done as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is very apparent to me. It's one of the things that I notice about you is your approach to everything, a sense of humor. And it's very, very obvious that your dad lives through you based on what you've just told me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh wow, what a story. Far out. Yeah. Um you also I mean the reason I was going down that line of questioning was I I'd, I'd also written down your you'd mentioned your granddad and your boss at the landscape architecture um mm-hmm. place place building company company is the word I was looking for. Yeah, company. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a building, yeah. but it was a place, so you had them all right. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I think I need another coffee. Um, one, one too many gins on the stand-up paddleboard last night. Um, uh, it seems like you've had some very positive role models or mentors, mm-hmm. whether you sort of labelled them as that. Um, but mm-hmm. they, to me, they keep coming up in the conversation. Is that fair to say? Are there other people in your life who have helped, uh, you know, change the game or have helped you along your path? Yeah. I mean, those are definitely all people. I mean, I would, I would also have to put Leanda in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, another one of these kind of random things that happen, you know, she just happens to move in next door to me and, you know, four time world champion <laughs> at some point. And so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also uh, just know, on at, that four time world champion across all the distances. I mean, yes. come on. Yeah. I just, I know. I, I do think she's one of the most underrated athletes of our time because of that there's not especially now when you know half distance athletes are focused on half distance that's it she was amazing across the board yeah yeah I say that on a weekly basis I think I say Leanda Cave is the most underrated triathlete of our time yes (laughs) yeah definitely sorry I I went off okay We'll get her for her own podcast. She can talk about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got a lot of just, Yeah, you can talk to her about that. Um, I, she probably won't mention me, but that's okay. I do mention her because she... <laughs> that's going to be my first question is, how did Lisa Roberts change your life, Leander? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And let's see. Let's see how she answers. Um, <laughs> yeah, so she was definitely instrumental, um, I think, in just... Uh, definitely on the triathlon side of sort of catapult. She was the one that suggested that I, she's like, you know, you're pretty good at this. I think you should maybe try this professionally. Cause I had no inkling whatsoever that I was going to do it professionally. I just thought that's something for somebody like her to do. And, you know, I'll keep sort of plugging away, doing my thing. I'll work, I'll do a few races here and there and, and just have fun with it. So she is the reason why um, I even turned professional to begin with. 
So I do have to thank her for that. Some days I'll thank her. Other days I curse her, <laughs> but that's how best friends go. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, yeah, so she's been another one that's been really instrumental um, in, in my life and uh, being a, a really good role model as well. Cause she's just, she's just a stand up gal, you know, she's just, you know, she's underrated for a reason because she's pr- super humble about what she's done. And, um, you know, if you look at kind of the, the stat board on her and then you go, shit, yeah, she's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty handy at swim bike run. Pretty handy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Um, okay. So I want to, and obviously, um, we haven't talked much about triathlon at all, which is fantastic. Mm. I don't like to talk about That's triathlon awesome. on this podcast. Um, okay. very good, but I do, I do want to find out um, how retirement is going. Um, mm. The and, and we touched on this obviously at the start, but um, I guess the the final decision to actually retire and and what's happening now, what you're doing on the socials, we're seeing obviously that you're doing a lot of running uh, and ultra running, I should say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's let's just talk through that. Yeah, I mean it's it's going well. I mean I was. I think it was, it was just good timing. And I kind of just realized that I was, I was ready to kind of step back, um, from triathlon and it, in, in all a very positive way, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm tired of this. You know, I'm sick of this sport. I'm done with it. It was very much before that happened. I think, you know, I think there's a point where you could like maybe stretch it out a little bit too long. And I just kind of felt, I mean, cause my, my entire career, albeit, yes, I would always strive to be my best and to train very hard and to win races and, you know, to qualify for things, all those kind of things. But I always had um, this overarching um, thing of I wanted to make sure I was having fun doing this along the way because I knew there's a it's, there's a very short fuse that we all have um, to be able to do this and so I'm gonna use that up and go out with a bang that was the, that was the whole idea and so you know I always would do the races that I wanted to do um, I mean there's still a few hanging out there that I thought oh yeah I really would like to have done that race but. You know, I, for the vast majority of my races, they were all ones that I wanted to do mm-hmm. in places that I wanted to do them. Um, and good or bad, whether they turned out well or not, um, I just made sure that I had fun doing all of them. And so with that, I kind of felt like, you know, I can kind of step back from doing this. And I, I had some, I had, I wasn't expecting to have any success whatsoever. So anything, any podium that I got on, any race that I would win, anything that I would have was just all icing on the cake, absolute icing on the cake. And um, it was the, I think all the, the experiences that I had along the way. I mean, yes, I, you know, I can see some of the pictures of me winning a few of these races and, and this and that, but man, the thing that just sort of stands out to me the most out of anything is all the experiences and all the people that I met along the way. And that was my whole goal of, of really taking advantage of this opportunity to meet this huge community of, you know, triathletes around the world, um, and, um, get to have a really good time with them doing these races. And so with that, um, it was a very easy step back for me. I didn't feel like I had much more that I really needed to accomplish or to do. Um, I was very pretty content with what I had done that, you know, so far. So, and the other part of it was that I still wanted to, I've still got a little bit of gas left in the tank. And so I wanted to make sure that I, there's other things that I wanted to do as well. So before I completely destroy my body, um, with, you know, too much training all the time, I wanted to kind of jump into this, you know, ultra running and and trail running scene a little bit just to kind of see what it was all about. Um, just coming from a running background and that being, you know, obviously one of my more favorite things to do. So, 
um, I thought, okay, let's let's step back from this and let's let's pivot a little bit to see what this ultra running thing is about. And then obviously with you know COVID stuff um, last year shutting everything down, it that was the the big resounding sign of like, all right, is, this isn't going to be a soft pivot. This is going to be a hard pivot right now, and we're going. And yeah. that that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so. and uh, the land the landscape archi- architecting. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you can say landscape designer okay. you can say that that works that's easier <laughs> um where, where does that sit now nowadays yeah so i've actually picked up a few more i've been aside from maybe like the last oh, five or six years or so where i haven't done much in the way of landscape design i might like in the off season i might if a friend asked me to do a design for him i might do that kind of off season time to give me something to do uh, but I haven't done much, but no, it was, again, same thing. Like everybody was at home. Um, nobody was traveling around or spending their money on vacation. So everybody wanted to redo their backyards. So I got calls from people, again, m- mainly friends and mainly people who knew that I didn't have any races to do. And they said, Hey, you must have some time on your hands now. We'd be, we'd love to pay you to come do a design for our house. And I said, this is awesome. Sure. I will be more than happy to do this for you now. So I've done a handful of designs, um, throughout the year and, um, it's just, it's super busy right now. Actually, there's a lot of people who need some design work done. So that has picked up quite a bit more. And so actually, you know, kind of now folding in with some of the ultra running stuff, um, there is, although I'm, just about as tired as I would be typically with a typical triathlon training schedule. Cause there's a lot of running involved, but it's a lot more condensed. So sure. I can get a pretty good, you know, run in, you know, an hour or two or something in a day. And then I have the rest of the day to, you know, work on designs and do stuff. So yeah. it's actually really dovetailed into one another really quite nicely. Yeah. Um, and managed to actually get a couple ultra trail races in last year too. So yeah. those were kind of easy, easier events to put on. So I was able to give my sponsors, minimal exposure but at least something um to help them throughout last year as well so yeah it it really dovetailed in pretty nicely yeah yeah there's uh yeah i think running events especially ultra running events are a lot easier to put on in terms of logistics and contact points yeah and and so forth especially compared to a triathlon yeah Mm. yeah yeah so yeah i made made the hard pivot and i'm I'm really enjoying it actually i mean the, the ultra running community is you know, super cool, super chill. I mean, it's, it's actually like, I feel like I've kind of, there's, there's these really, really good ultra runners that live in Tucson. I have never heard of these people at all. <laughs> They're like coming out of the woodwork now. Like, where have you been? I've lived in town like 21 years and where have you been? And, <laughs> and so it's really kind of fun. And so it, was, it gave me a chance to, you know, same thing, like, you know, gyms were shut down and, you know, pools were closed and this and that. So I thought, right, I'll just be able to, you know, I'll just go out into the trails. Like, go hit these trails that I never was able to go do and see when I was training for, you know, a lot of triathlons or I was traveling or whatever I was doing. So it really gave me an opportunity to kind of just explore my own backyard quite a bit more. So I've had a blast doing that. Oh, that is awesome. And, and running wise, um, I hear there's a very popular website, multimedia platform that's asked you to pen a few (gasps) running articles. Really? Yeah. I think there has been one. I can't remember the name. Ah, to start with an 
start with a W? Maybe it starts with, does it start with a W? Maybe. Yes. That, so, that might just be the uh, WWW yes. part of it. I don't know. <laughs> mm, that's right. That might be. Yes. <laughs> no, these really cool people have asked me to come on board. Woodstuff has asked me to come on board and to um, write up some articles on some of the running events and the epic trails I've been on and some of the, you know, differences between, you know, triathlon running and, and trail running and just, yeah, the whole thing. So um, if anybody's got any specific topics they want me to cover, I am more than happy. I'll, obviously, I can talk for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll cover just about any topic that you want me to. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's right. So if anyone's listening and if anyone's listening, like, the three people who are listening, more than three people listening to the podcast. Yes. <laughs> after the start, though, I'm not too sure if they're still uh, still listening. After our our start, we talked about the Friends theme tunes, so we may have lost a few. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Kind of lost a few, maybe there. <laughs> but if anyone's got any ideas for Lisa in terms of running, and I'm going to say that you will tackle any subject um, under the Anything. running banner, just throw them our way. Send me send me an email, yes. just steph at witsup.com. And we'll see if we can uh, get Lisa to to pen a few articles based on whatever topic you throw our way, for sure. Yeah. Because um, I did have one one very distinct lesson, and I'll just give ooh. everybody a little teaser here. Okay. In the first 100K – so I did a 100K trail race um, last year. Um, I don't even know. What was it? Except October. Oh, it was Halloween. That's right. It was Halloween. So October 31st, and that was the first 100K race that I had ever run. And, um, in my stupidity or in a, we'll call it innocence, um, <laughs> thought, okay, this event, this will probably take me around nine hours. I'm thinking, okay, most Ironmans have taken me around nine hours. So I kind of approached it, you know, very similarly. Um, and I will maybe let the listeners try to guess about where I learned that I really needed to put anti-chafing cream for a hundred K trail run. Ooh. So yeah, yeah painfully learned oh. where I needed to put that. <laughs> that is a nasty so, lesson. Yeah. So yes, we can cover any and all topics. Um, that will be one of them. So um, <laughs> you can spend your time guessing um, and wait until um, I write the article on it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, Lisa, I'm going to have to let you go because I've taken up uh, so much of your time and I'm curious as to whether the sourdough has finished cooking, baking. I don't, I don't know how sourdough, I don't mm. Yes. Oh no. I saw. It. Oh, I have to get the oven started here pretty soon. Okay. So, yeah. I don't want to ruin your sourdough. Yeah. I'll never hear the end of it. Yeah. No. God. For, you'll, ne- you'll never hear the end of it from John. That's <laughs> who you'll never hear the end of it from. So, yeah. <laughs> um. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to have a chat. I thoroughly enjoyed it uh, and learned a lot more about you. A lot of you've got many layers. Yeah. Many, many layers. I do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like an onion. I'm like an onion. You are. Is that, is that a Shrek <laughs> reference? I'm pretty sure it's in Shrek, right? It is in Shrek, yeah. Yeah. Good. I also appreciate yeah. that you know the reference too. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of stupid references. Oh, yes. That was part of <laughs> Don't the... get me started on Seinfeld. So, oh, yeah. mate. Well, but mm. in our 74 questions... We that was one of the oh. some of the things that we started talking about, and that's when I was like, "Oh my god, this is my kind of woman!" Because we just started quotes from um, <laughs> I th- Napoleon Dynamite. Was that one of the ones? Ooh, that was one of them. Yes. Yes. Did I do the dance? Yeah, I did a dance. I danced somewhere in there. I think was it the Elaine dance, perhaps? Yeah. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. Ooh. 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 
So, okay, just on Seinfeld, because now you've dropped the Seinfeld bomb, I've got to, I've got to ask. Yeah. Julia, yeah. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, I think I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Fa- you're a fan, I assume. Oh, yeah, did, of course, yeah. Did you watch her series Veep? Oh, yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> Is it not one of the smartest? I just, I, and, and maybe it's just because in Australia it, it wasn't on, you know, our stations or whatever here. Um, it wasn't readily available, yeah. but I have my ways of getting TV shows. I think it's one of the greatest TV shows I've ever watched. It's so funny, so smart, and almost um, fortune telling. <laughs> yes, I know. A little scary, isn't it? It's a really scary. Very scary. <laughs> but highly recommend everyone. You've got to watch Veep if you, you have got to see it. Yeah. 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 Which stands yeah, for yeah. the vice. Well, it's something to do with the vice president, right? That's what they call the VP. Yeah. Veep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Veep. VP. Veep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, I really have to let you go. Okay. Thank you so much, okay. but we'll see you on the website uh, tapping away on a, on a couple of running articles. Yes, yes, yes. Please, people, give me some ideas. So I have a lot of them, but yeah, if you've got something specific. <laughs> Done. Thank you so much, and we'll be chatting again soon. All right. All righty. Thanks for tuning in. Hit subscribe, give us a rating, leave a comment. And don't forget, if you're not already a Wits Up Patreon member, sign up in the link in the description. But above all else, keep yourselves knee deep in awesomeness. (laughs) Woo!